eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer. During the initial stages of the 2020 pandemic, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, two years later, I'm not only healthy, but I've been declared in remission. But I'm still continuing this podcast, during which I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. And now I'm also calling some new people to make some new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. I come from a family of really strong, intelligent women. I find myself gravitating towards those type of females throughout my life, and I married one. So when I met Danny Welniak about 10 years ago, she was fresh out of her first job in media, an Oklahoma State grad who went to Dodge City and then came to work for KWCH in Wichita, and we hit it off immediately. Just a really cool, kind, wonderful person who has also incredibly good at her job and it didn't take her long to end up in the kansas city market and it didn't take long after that for danny to end up being sports director at channel 5 in kansas city but she just announced on monday of last week that she's done at least for now with tv and she's the new vice president for communications at the kansas city current the new women's professional soccer team that is in the midst of putting down a foundation of an incredible franchise building a practice facility and eventually a stadium along the river in kansas city danny is one of my favorite people i have ever met in this industry or not just a wonderful, kind person, and I am so glad she's this week's guest on The Life of Fitz. A former professional football player, the former sideline reporter for the Kansas City Chiefs radio network, and oh yeah, she was part of the first ever all-female crew to call an FBS bowl game as the color commentator for the Cure Bowl. So now let's call Danny Welniak in Kansas City, Kansas. sister oh you know just living the dream one day at a time changing the world that's how we roll one football game at a time but the other kind of football <laughs> who 
Football with a U. Football. Or as I like to call it, footy. <laughs> I don't know why I call it that, but I do. <laughs> well, technically, so I spent three years in Australia, and they refer to Aussie rules football as footy. So I can't even call it footy in my vocabulary. That's There's weird. Football, two O's, football with a U, and then footy, which is Aussie rules football. Okay. I've learned something. That's it for the podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> I'm here to drop some nuggets on you. <laughs> that was good. So uh, <laughs> let's just start there. Why did you do this? What What was the <laughs> time to get out of the business, like half of everyone else in the business all leaving right now, or just a great opportunity fell in your lap? I mean, it's kind of crazy, isn't it, that it all kind of is in conjunction, and I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this opportunity fell into my lap at the time that it did, it just couldn't have been more perfect. And um, one of the things that I had a chance to talk to, you know, Angie and the ownership group with was that, you know, this is an organization that is not only changing Kansas City, but it's also changing the world. So to be a part of the Kansas City current right now as it unveils a brand new training facility just purpose-specific built for women's professional soccer, the only one that we know of in the world at this point, then in a couple years to have the only women's professional stadium to be built here in Kansas City is really, really amazing and something at the forefront of just, I mean, soccer and sports in general. And I'm a, I believe that this is not only changing sports and soccer in our generation, but it's also changing it for our children, for our grandchildren, and even for everyone that comes after that. So it's such big picture thinking. And I joke at the beginning of the podcast saying, Hey, you know, I'm just changing the world <laughs> or we're just changing the world. One podcast, one Vosat, one, um, uh, email at a time. But I truly believe that. I believe that if you think that you're going to do something and you speak it into existence, then it's very, very possible to do. And that's what this ownership group here in Kansas city is doing with the current. Well, I'll say this. It's, it's one thing to start up a, a club, to, you know, decide we're going to have a women's professional soccer football club that is more functional than the previous entities that were there. But to go about it so aggressively with all those things you listed, I think really captured the imagination of Kansas City in a way that just announcing the team would have never even approached. And uh, the the renderings of the stadium by the river, it's, it's incredible, Danny. It's absolutely amazing. It is amazing. And it's something that you kind of have to pinch yourself that this is really happening. And I think that this organization has without question learned from the mistakes of the past. And I know that not only the, the teams in the past, but also around the country, around the world, Angie and Chris have been so good about putting together all of the knowledge from the people around them, from people who have the experience, their own experience, other clubs, they make sure that they know what they're doing and they fully grasp um, everything that goes into it before they do it. And to have an ownership group that actually has the financial backing and the financial belief to invest first and then see um, what comes of it, I think is really important because it's kind of that chicken and the egg conundrum, right? Is it is it worthy of investing in 
um, in the first place, or do you invest in it and then believe that it can be so much bigger and that you'll make end up making money because you've invested in something? And I think the Kansas City community and surrounding communities have proven that here in the Midwest, that if you can create that FOMO, that fear of missing out or that experience, especially when it comes to sports, it's going to draw people in and not to you know be super cliche, but if you build it, they will come. Right. And that's right. kind of the philosophy here. Right. I, and I, I think in some ways what they did with sporting was the same way. They, they dreamed yeah. big and they established a full-fledged club from day one, and that's what the current are doing. Um, I just love everything they've done with that franchise, the current, the, the name, the colors, the branding. The, they've hit home runs at every turn that I've seen, and it's, it's really impressive. And how they've done it is very unique as well because, you know, it started out FCKC – and then, you know, got moved to Utah. They became the Utah Royals. Then, you know, Angie and Chris really wanted it back here in Kansas City. And so bringing Casey NWSL, um, as it was called last year, kind of into the fold really late on the scene. And so I think it was like they had maybe 30 days they brought it in and started training before the draft. And so you're literally hitting the ground running and trying to figure this out as you're going. And I think that's what shows you that, that that Angie and Chris and even Brittany have such a good um, grasp of where they want to go with this. They have the, they're building it from the ground up. They're putting the right people and the right pieces in place to make it successful. And even when you may not be necessarily set up for success right off the bat, they found ways to make it successful. And then with the rebranding at the end of last season and um, the ability to say, hey, you know. This, is, this isn't this is it for us. We're going to have a training facility for these women and these athletes, and we're going to have a stadium for these women and these athletes. And now, even bigger picture, look at how we're going to help with this 2026 World Cup bid and what Kansas City is going to bring to that stage. Even at the men's level, you're setting this trend and this example. And so there's so, there's so many things that go into it that really prove to me that this organization is has a really, really solid base and can only um, just expand and grow from here okay so you're new to this in terms of being part of the soccer community but what is it with kansas city and soccer that has made this such a dynamic marriage Oh my gosh, that's a really deep question because i think you have to start from the roots you have to start from that very very base and beginning where kansas city as a city itself loves its sports and really finds um I guess maybe gratitude or identity in the teams that they call their own. And it's a very family-oriented Midwest dynamic here, at least from what I've seen and I've been able to experience and just living here for the past, you know, six and a half, seven years, everyone's really welcoming, really um, inviting, but also very possessive and believe that, you know, our stuff is the best because we work really hard at getting, you know, what we want and what we have created here. We've done it from the ground up and, you know, we're not in LA, we're not a Chicago, we're not a, um, a Miami, we're not a Boston, but we have just as good of a backing with sports here as I think anywhere in the country. So I think you start there, but then also it goes back to 
having the belief in the dreams that are so much bigger than, you know, maybe what you've been told. And you mentioned that Sporting Kansas City um, started from the ground up and kind of established that soccer identity. But it goes even back further with that because with I've heard Clark Hunt say this story multiple times, especially with this bid for the World Cup and that his dad. Um, Lamar went overseas and saw a World Cup game for the first time and was so enamored with the environment and how cool it was and how many people were there and just the event itself that he told his family he wanted to bring that back to the U.S. He wanted to bring that back to Kansas City. So I think a lot of the origin begins there, but then everybody else that you get on board with it and go and see what can be done how exciting it is, how fun it is. And then you have, you know, people like Angie and Chris who come back and believe that this is what it can become. And they know, and they have this vision of what it can become. And now that you have that vision on top of the fact that there was, you know, the male vision beforehand in sporting Kansas city and the wizards and the comets. And then also just back to that family aspect and that soccer is growing so much, um, from a, I guess, lower levels and building up, like girls are becoming more active in soccer. There are way more youth leagues around the area in Kansas City than I've ever seen before. I mean, I can't even drive five minutes, you know, past my house without seeing two or three different giant soccer complexes. And I think when you get the younger generation involved and you get them to buy in too, that's where your soccer roots start to take hold and that's where it grows. And so both for men and women, I think you're seeing it grow from that youth level, but then they're also being able to see these examples of women's professional athletes in the Kansas City Current and men's professional athletes in sport in Kansas City, and you have these examples that you can grow up and you can aspire to be. And so I think that's where it starts blossoming and you start getting your your branches of, of the tree that is soccer in Kansas City. And so now, you know, the, the theme around here is that it's a soccer, it's a soccer capital of America, because when you look at that list of cities, that are going to be host cities for the World Cup, Kansas City doesn't necessarily fit in with all of the other ones. No, no. Um, but it it has such roots in soccer and where it originated. And even though it's still so youthful from that perspective and the big picture perspective, um, I think a lot of Kansas Cityans take take a lot of pride in that. I think Kansas City is the sweet spot, particularly maybe for women's soccer. It's it's big enough to support a professional franchise, but it's also small enough where it's not going to get lost in the shuffle. Local media will cover it. It matters in town in a way that honestly maybe doesn't matter in a Chicago, L.A., New York-type setting where there's so much else noise in the sports world, let alone entertainment world. I think Kansas Cityans will be invested uh, emotionally and financially in a successful women's soccer franchise. Yeah, and I mean, men's teams alone battle in places like New York mm-hmm. and L.A. just for coverage. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked I've talked to Seattle media members and, um, you know, across just across the country who have said, you know, like, I can only cover the uh, I can only cover the Raiders or the 49ers. And I got to pick one, you know, each weekend, each Sunday. And you're like, man two NFL teams that have to battle for some kind of coverage and love and get so overlooked. And I totally agree with you. I think that this is one of those unique cities that, especially when you're starting something, I think Kansas Cityans really get on board with that because they have big dreams and they believe that 
their city is the best. We believe that Kansas City is that diamond in the rough. And I think there was an article that just came out that it's the top underrated city to live in or something of yeah, that I nature. Saw that. Yeah. And so from that perspective, it is it's growing so rapidly. And I think sports are sports are what we do here in Kansas City. You don't you don't go climb mountains, you don't go surfing. You go support your local teams and you find great pride in that, you know, over the weekends or, or on, you know, your weeknights when you want to go do something fun. Those are all good points. But did did the media thing just kind of run its course with you? It, it chews people up and spits them out. It's a lot of hours, a lot of weekends. You got a family now. It, was it just kind of coming to the the arc of its end? <laughs> You know, I tell people that I still love broadcasting Mm -hmm. and I still love journalism and sports media. And I am one of the unique few who absolutely loved the grind of it. I loved being able to work the long hours and being able to carry my own gear and shoot my own stuff and produce my own things because I had that creative edge and I wanted to get my hands dirty every single day. And I, I wanted to walk miles around NFL stadiums so that I could cover football games. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that there's beauty in a new chapter and in changing, um, what your goals are in life. And, you know, I tell people that there've been a lot of times where the good Lord has kicked me through doors and lined up stuff so perfectly, uh, that it's, I can't, I can't deny that that is the path that he wants me to go down and um, a door that he's opened that I have an opportunity for people to impact me, um, for me to grow and also for me to impact others. And so I think this was one of those things where there are a lot of different things falling into place and I won't bore you with the details of that. But um, I definitely think that this is my new chapter, especially with a new family. Um, Our one and a half year old is, our absolute pride and joy. And for her to see her mom make a difference in women's professional sports is really, really important to me because even though, you know, I have a really cool resume in a past where I was a women's professional football player and, you know, I have a Super Bowl ring and I have these cool accolades, but she didn't get to see me do that. And I think that being able to say that you did something and being able to show her that I did something or two totally different things. And that's why I absolutely could not pass this up. I'm a big believer in we're on a path. It's not our job to know the direction of the path. It's just to trust the path. (laughs) And, you know, I, I, I've been through a lot and I I've trusted my path and here I am. So I hear everything you're saying. It it just, if it feels right, you, you listen to it. And if it doesn't, and God knows I've had those moments when this doesn't feel right. I'm going to go ahead and do it. And yeah, it wasn't right. You just, you know, I don't, if you're a person of faith, it's, it's, you know, someone above speaking to you. But if you're not, it's got instinct. I don't care what you call it at the end of the day. You just got to trust that voice. You got to trust it because it's rarely wrong. If, if you really believe in your gut, it, I always come back to Malcolm Gladwell and his book blink. It is, it is religious without being religious because it's all the same thing to me. You got to trust the path uh, and and trust your gut instinct with stuff. That's one of my favorite books. I love Blink and I love Malcolm Gladwell, and he has a phenomenal series of books. Not that you know I need to be plugging anybody's book series, but uh, Tipping Point was fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple that are really good. So if you guys want some introspective 
book reading. That's definitely, definitely a good series to go after, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's definitely something that everything lines up and anyone listening to this has had those instances where, you know, you might be fighting something, you might be, um, you know, thinking about something. In my case, it was praying about what is my next step? What is the direction I, I want to go and the direction that the Lord is leading me to? And everything fell into place so perfectly. And I, not only from that perspective, but also being able to look back and be really proud of my career and what I did in the media world. Do I think it's over yet? I don't know, because you know what? God's laughed at my plans before. Mm -hmm. For all I know, I could end up back in the media world, but my calling is here now. And um, I, I am a firm believer that every chapter is very important in developing us as people, but also developing others along the way. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, where it takes 10,000 hours of, and yeah. I'm like, the only thing I've ever applied that much time to is being a smart ass. So am I like a, <laughs> a world class smart ass because I've committed 10,000 hours to this endeavor? Why didn't I do it? With yeah, like probably. Juggling or something, you know? I, <laughs> You know, something I could axe throwing, make a, you know, a move to the circus and live off that. Why, why are those, why are those the two things that you go with instead of like, you've invested those hours into your personality. And that's why all of us from the outside looking in hmm. respect you, enjoy you, like being around you. So even though you huh. say uh, that it might not be a good quality those 10,000 hours, I think, have paid off. Okay. Juggling, you might have been you, you might have been able to, you know, entertain a few people. Axe throwing, maybe you would have gone and won a championship in axe throwing. I actually have a friend who um, does, I think it's like ESPN The Ocho. She does sideline for axe throwing. So maybe you could have nice. been one of those people. However, I think that your 10,000 hours were invested okay. wisely. Good, because I, I don't know much about <laughs> axe throwing. Uh, I had a really good throw there on the second turn, and it kind of broke to the left. I don't know how you even describe that. Like a golfer that remembers every shot. There you go. Um, yeah, it's this is really cool. I'm really disappointed that you're leaving the industry because let's do a little shop talk here. We have seen a bleed off of a lot of young talent. I mean, just a lot of people, uh, you know, that I know in my circle, maybe going back to your circle in Wichita, KWCH, we've seen a lot of bleed off, a lot of people leaving the industry. And I think we're going to pay for a price or pay a price for it down, you know, 20, 30 years down the road when honestly, a lot of the people that survive are going to be the ones that just stuck it out and maybe they're not that great, but they stuck it out. I, I'm really worried about journalism as a whole, but I'm seeing a lot of bleed off in TV. Well, I was going to say there's kind of that evolution and I feel like it's kind of like you've seen it a little bit with, with newspaper. I think, you know, as it evolves and becomes more online platform based, um, you're now seeing that with television where instead of people going, you know, every night at four, five, six and 10 o'clock to the turn on their, you know, their, television, uh, they find it on Twitter or they find it on their phone or they can literally just pull up a, a streaming service and uh, or they don't even turn on the news. I can't tell you how many people I've I've talked to have been like, yeah, you know, I don't really watch the news, but I get all my information that I need off of uh, off of my phone. And then I just have subscriptions to Netflix or Paramount Plus or um, ESPN Plus, and that's how I get all of my sports. So it's just this evolution of how we consume media that I think is 
it's changing the landscape and requiring more of individual journalists in general. And so those who do stick it out are the very incredible, resilient, you know, few who will make it through. Um, but I also think that there's some, um, you know, there's some there's some toughness and difficult difficulty to comprehend that those of us who have, you know, been in the media world for so long and really embraced it and loved it. And, you know, I still get paper newspapers because I just love having those in my hands. And um, a lot of the younger generation doesn't see it that way. When you've got a phone, why would you need to have all of these, you know, newspapers in your accumulate in your house? So it's just a different perspective. It's a different generation. And um, especially with the evolution of multimedia journalists, which is what I consider myself as well, yep. one, someone who could do everything, which makes us all so valuable, not just in the media industry. Not only do you have, you know, now journalists who can just be on TV or just run a camera or just produce or just write. Now you have all of these really talented human beings who can do everything. They can, they literally, one person can shoot, write, edit, produce, uh, be on TV, be behind the camera, create the interviews, create content, tweet, social media. So now all of these avenues are open to you and media is not the only option. So it also, I think part of that, part of the bleed off is that, all of these other possibilities open for these multimedia journalists. And when really good ones come open or become available, or like we said, you're guided in a certain direction, it's hard to pass those up because um, you, you can do everything. Right. That's why I tell students when I speak to them, um, I first say, have you thought about changing your degree? Uh, and then, then they like, no, I want to be in journalism. I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Have you, have you thought about becoming a priest or nun? That pays better. Um, <laughs> but I've, I'm like, then then you got to learn to do it all. There's no more yep. TV, newspaper, radio, all of those channels we used to plug ourselves into as a professional. They're gone. And maybe right. TV's the last one standing. But when someone asks me what do I need to work on, I tell them writing. I don't care what part of journalism you're going into, if you can't write, you're not going to be good at your job. You're not going to write yourself a good script. And now in TV, you got to post a lot of content on your website. So you better be able to write or you're going to look like an idiot. <laughs> that's a really, really good point because that's so true. I can't tell you how many people that I've worked with that I've been like, you know, writing is so key. Delivery is important because that's what makes you entertaining and makes right. you good in the television industry. You have to be likable. You have to be able to present yourself well. You have to be able to have people understand you. And it all starts with what you're writing, the scripts that you're writing and, and your, your thought process. And also what's crazy to me is that, you know, I went into this industry thinking that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be on TV. That's what I'm going to do. But instead... I have broken a lot of barriers for women in radio, in sports radio, mm -hmm. which I look back on and I'm like, man, I never would have thought that in a million years that I would be somebody who does radio. Cause I even, I struggled in college doing radio play by play and being a radio color analyst just for, you know, the, the school stuff, the Oklahoma state, um, broadcasts. And so now I look back on that and I'm like, man, how far I have come. And I think that's just also a testament 
to anyone out there, um, even that you know, Fitz, who is going through this right now and wants to be in this industry, is that do not ever shut any doors for yourself. And just because you may not feel like you're good at something right now doesn't mean that it can't be perfected and refined through time and doing it over and over again. And back to the 10,000 hours, the more time you put into it, the better you're going to become at it. And even if you don't think it's your path, sometimes... Sometimes that's exactly what you're called to do. Amen. Amen. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, let's wind it back to your Oklahoma State days. First of all, where's your hometown? Where are you from originally? <laughs> okay, so I was born in Peoria, Illinois, home of the Bradley Braves. Okay. Then um, my family ended up moving to Australia for two and a half, three years. And um, that was thanks to my dad's job. He worked for Caterpillar at the time. Cool. And then we ended up, for the same reason, moving back to Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. And I called that my hometown because that is where most of my formative years were. That's where I grew up. I went to um, intermediate, middle, and high school there, and then um, made a lot of my decisions about my future uh, there as well. And I also played women's professional football for the Dallas Diamonds. So I consider that home. Um, Then when I was playing football, I fell in love with journalism, and we actually had a reporter come out to one of our practices, and he was doing a story on me and the team. And um, he interviewed me afterwards, and we uh, kind of chatted for a little bit. And I said I was going to go, I was going to go to school and be a marine biologist. And he was like, "Man, my job is the best. I come into work every single day. I never know what I'm going to do, and I just love, I love what I do. I get to tell stories about people that most people wouldn't hear otherwise, and that's." what I love doing. That's what I'm passionate about. And I just fell in love with that answer because that's what I do. That's what I love about my job as well, is that I want to provide a platform to people who wouldn't get it otherwise. And I want to tell the stories about the athletes underneath the helmet or, you know, in the kit or off the pitch. I, I love, I love the personal side of things and the stories that, create and define you as a human being. And I think that provides such inspiration to other people going through adversity or, um, you know, life changes or anything. And so I fell in love with that. I decided that I was going to go try out this Oklahoma state sports media program that they were starting for the first time and had only, you know, started it for probably two or three years, maybe before I got up there. And, um, 
it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. So much hands-on experience. I got to go to a state school. So, you know, K-State, Oklahoma State, we can be friends. Right. Um, and I, I thought that was so valuable. And it was really good because it really gave me an opportunity to spread my wings, to learn for myself, to take advantage of all the opportunities that were presented to me that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. So like I wrote for the school paper, I was part of the TV broadcast. I did stuff with the, with the radio station. Um, I did stuff with ESPN and Fox sports and the Oklahoma city thunder as like for freelancers. So I took advantage of everything that I possibly could. And I think, you know, being in a, being in a, a state school, being at Oklahoma state, where it's not necessarily like the big Oklahoma or the big Missouri um, of the journalism world. Uh, I think that that was really important and really helped me get me ready for those first couple of steps afterwards. Oklahoma State's done a great job of picking a niche and they've, they've owned it. They've cranked yeah. out so many great sports journalists. It's really impressive. And, and, uh, I admire what they've done. I've, I've been after K-State to work on, you know, their degrees and kind of streamline them and work on it. And sure enough, this fall, they're going to start offering degrees in news and sports media. So uh, they're getting there. But I love that Oklahoma State said this. This is our lane and we're going to own it. And they've done a great job. And I've recommended students to go there because they want to get into sports and the opportunities that Oklahoma State's presented for them leading into what have been some really good professional careers for yourself and others. Yeah. And like I said, it was all about that hands-on experience. And again, students aren't probably going to feel super prepared to go out into the real world because that's just kind of how it works. Um, but it was, it was the best way that I could have been set up for going to, I got my first job actually in Dodge city, Kansas mm -hmm. of all places, you guys and your listeners should know that pretty well. Um, and uh, the, the running joke is that my, I, I submitted 60 demo tapes across the country. And now back in my day, when I submitted demo tapes, they were on DVDs. And um, my I got two calls back. One told me that I wasn't qualified for the sports director role, which I absolutely knew, but I still was going to apply for it. And the other one was this bureau out in Dodge City, Kansas for KWCH out of Wichita. And um, the news director called me and said, hey, like we'd like to um, – you know, have you up here, do an interview with you. But just so you know, uh, there was no audio on your demo reel. Oh, no. But we liked we liked the way that you presented yourself and your enthusiasm. And we also think that, you know, it'll, it'll be beneficial for you having come from Stillwater to, you know, live in a place like Dodge City. And I was like, wow, I don't know what that means, but um, I think that sounds great. Let's go check this out and see what it's all about. And uh, I joked that I got, I got two of the best things in my life out of that first job. I got my start, which was it an open door that the good Lord kicked me through. And I met my husband out there and I didn't know uh, that. He, yep. And he's uh, my biggest blessing and my greatest supporter ever since. And I would not be here without him. So you've dragged him from Dodge to Wichita to Kansas city. Yes. Bless his heart. He's come willingly. Okay. So um, I can't say that I've dragged him, but I will say this. We were incredibly blessed by the fact that everything worked out the way that it did, because even in that move from Dodge City to Wichita, 
there were so many unknown factors and we were still just dating at that point. So I didn't know if my next move was going to be somewhere in Spokane, Washington or somewhere in California or Florida. Like you just, you don't know where you're going next because in order to get a promotion, a lot of times you have to go elsewhere. And, um, I remember so vividly on Valentine's day, the, the year that I was having to make the decision to go somewhere else or to stay close. And I got a call from, um, my executive producer in Wichita. And he said, Hey, look, we think we're going to hire you for this, for this role in Wichita. So, um, would this be of interest to you? And the two of us got so excited and we were just jumping up for joy and got so pumped about that phone call about how we were going to be able to basically, you know, be together. Would we have tried to do long distance? Yes. But being able to make that transition um, is a lot easier, you know, to go from Dodge city into Wichita, which is like, you know, two and a half hours. And then um, the blessings that, followed in going to Kansas city were pretty amazing as well. How long were you in Wichita? Three years. So I was two years in Dodge, three in Wichita. And then I've spent the last six and a half in Kansas city. Boy, it just worked. It just seems seamless. It seems like, again, that's what was meant to be. And you became eventually sports director at channel five, which is incredible. You did the chief sidelines for a number of years, which is incredible. You did the color commentary on the cure bowl. Correct. Yeah. Yep. I was part of the first, yep. All female broadcast team to call a, uh, BCS bowl game. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. That is so cool. That is, it's absolutely amazing. Um, covering sports in Kansas city. It just seems like a, a fun place to do it, kind of getting back to what I said earlier in the podcast. It's like the sweet spot. You don't have so much going on. You're not losing your mind. Maybe you want a little more going on, but it also seems like you can then go focus on KU basketball or Missouri football or K-State football. You know, you're not just tied to the professional teams all the time. People love their sports here in Kansas City, and that's what makes it so fun because you do. You have the Chiefs, and again, like, the Lord has made all of us for a certain time and for to be at this point in history with the way everything is shaking out and everywhere that I've been. I mean, it is so crazy to me to think that I came up to Kansas City right as the transition from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes happened. So I got to see this growth and then to be on the radio crew through the Super Bowl um, was pretty incredible there, too to see the chiefs win a super bowl, to be a part of that in Wichita, I was a part of the Royals winning the world series in 2015. So I got to see that. And then the perfect like bow cherry on top of my career, I followed KU all the way to a national championship mm. and to see all of that. I mean, sports in Kansas city, it, it's been a roller coaster, you know, for a while there, Kansas city fans considered themselves long suffering, whether it was the Royals or whether it was the chiefs. And there was this long delay of success. And, um, I get to come up here and be so blessed to be a part of the sports media world. When all of the teams do incredible and go on to win championships is something that just, I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't, can't believe that I was blessed enough to be a part of it and to, to be here, to be here now, um, as we're on the, the, the cutting edge of something else new and something else really exciting, 
I just, I firmly believe that I was made for a time as this. And I think we all are, we all are at the point of our lives where we are supposed to be. And you just have to be willing and open to, um, embrace it for what it is and, uh, embrace your moment in time, no matter what it looks like. And, uh, Kansas city sports have been so good to me and have been so great to my family. And it's been really, really amazing and breathtaking when I'm saying this out loud to you. It's almost unfathomable yeah. that all of this has happened over a six and a half year span. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, would Kansas City be better as a NBA or NHL town? Oh, oh, this is a good spot to be in, though. Yeah. Um, it's tough because KU has kind of taken that place right. for Kansas City as like their NBA team, but they're so invested in the basketball scene of K-State and Mizzou and KU all together in March Madness and what that looks like and having the Big 12 tournament here in Kansas City like that almost fills that void of not having an NBA team now the Oklahoma City Thunder have come up here a couple times and done exhibition games and the T-Mobile Center has almost sold out and so I know that an NBA team would do well here but they're going to have to compete against the fan bases that the college teams have. So that's the question then that, that comes into the picture, but also I think an NHL team would do really well because you just don't have that. Yes. You have the Kansas city Mavericks who um, play in independence and have a really good following, but um, having NHL at that level, this city got so on board. Look, the St. Louis blues are in St. Louis. Kansas city should not like anything in St. Louis. <laughs> and yet they got on board with the, with the blues whenever they made their run to the Stanley cup. And you just saw blues jerseys all over the place. And so I think an NHL team would do great. So, you know what, I'm going to go polar opposite of a lot of people probably in Kansas city and say that I would go with an NHL team because I think it's something different. It's something exciting and having professional hockey at that level would provide a different kind of fan base and a different kind of, um, satisfaction i think to a to a sports town that just that is so invested in all of its professional teams well you brought up something really interesting with which i totally agree as someone that came out of oklahoma college sports scene and then saw the thunder how much did the thunder kind of steal away the average fan from oklahoma state and oklahoma basketball I think there's a lot of that to it. I think that having a professional team that everyone can get around and can rally around, and it's literally the best of the best. Um, I think that I was kind of there around the time that all of that started becoming a thing and really started to gain traction. And so if your college basketball teams, if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State college basketball teams aren't great, then it's really hard to get behind them when you've got a pro team that everyone in the city and everyone in Oklahoma can get on board with. And so I do think that to some extent it does take away from those college fan bases, but in the same breath, if those teams are really good, I think that there is a little bit more balancing out of that. So I think that what the record has a lot to do with it. Quality of play has a lot to do with it. Cause even when you have a bad NBA team, you still are the watching the best of the best and you're still attracting other teams and other fan bases that want to come and watch that. If the LA Lakers come into town, if the Cleveland Cavs come into town, like if the Warriors mm -hmm. come into town, like there's still those 
fan bases that get really excited about seeing that elite level talent, whereas you don't necessarily get that on the college level. Yeah, I find this whole question intriguing. You approached it the exact same way I do. I'm I'm a believer in hockey, and I'm not even a hockey fan, but I think everything you've said about Kansas City sports fans, they will adopt hockey and become fans and, um, and really kind of invest themselves without getting distracted by losing some of their affection for college basketball. But mm-hmm. as a K-Stater, I see it from an advantage here if they had an NBA program, it might take away, for lack of a better way to say it, the T-shirt fan for KU. And all of a sudden, they're going to be wearing the NBA franchise. So I don't know. It's it's really complex. But I, I just wanted to get your take on that because I, <laughs> I think it'd be cool to have NHL in town. I think it'd be something totally different. And fans would be fired up. And if I'm recalling correctly, what is now T-Mobile Center was primarily built as a sock, excuse me, as a hockey facility um, mm-hmm. that can also host the NBA, but it was hockey first, I think. Yeah, I think you're correct too. And it's something that is, I think, continuing to evolve. And there's a lot of people in Kansas City that are really trying really hard to campaign to get some kind of professional team and allow that um, T-Mobile Center downtown to be to have a permanent residence, so to say, so to speak. And so right now it does really great um, for temporary residents, for concerts, for um, like the Big 12 tournament, for stuff that goes on down there collegiately. But um, yeah, I do. I think you can make an argument for either. I think you can make an argument for both an NBA team and an NHL team. But me personally, personally, I would love to see an NHL team down there. I'm with you. The new facility for the current, is is it going to have a multi-purpose feel to it? Can it be used for other things? Yes. And that was kind of the big um, thought process behind building it was that they should be able to bring in concerts. They should be able to bring in NCAA championships, whether it's, you know, sports like lacrosse, whether it's soccer, whether it's rugby, those kinds of things should be able to utilize this venue. And it should be a really, really cost efficient and great opportunity for other like I said, temporary residents who can come and utilize it for different things. So you'll have um, your Casey Current, who's your permanent resident, but then to be able to utilize that for other things, for other sports, for other concerts, it's going to be huge. And where it's located makes it that much cooler because it is right there along the river and it's going to be so beautiful when that area is built up and there's so much access to it and it's going to be a place that people want to go. We're going to get a soccer facility down in that area and the baseball stadium eventually, maybe. Downtown Kansas City is really cool. I've always liked it. But um, if you get all this stuff going on, it's going to be just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's, it's that vision. It's that belief between, you know, Mayor Quentin Lucas, Kathy Nelson, who's the head of the Sports Commission here in Kansas City, has done a remarkable job, um, you know, that Chris and Angie Long, obviously, with saying, hey, look, we are going to build something here and we know that the space around it is going to be built up too. that. This is going to be an area downtown that people fall in love with, that they want to live, that they want to invest in, that they want to shop in, that they want to come to games in. And so to have that big picture vision for an entire city, knowing that you're literally going to shake up a whole city, I think is really, really amazing. And something that also makes this, um, this franchise is so special. Well, I'm I'm really excited for you. I just I, I want to say this. 
you are the kindest person I've ever met in our industry. And, um, and at the same time, you're fierce in your job. And I, I just love and appreciate you so much for everything you've brought to the, the media markets that I'm around. It's, it's been incredible watching you work. Fitz, you have no idea how much that means. And, you know, I, I can't do it without the positive impact and influence that you've had in my life as well. And I know that you are an incredibly comical human being, <laughs> and that just lights up my entire world. And a lot of times, even in it doesn't matter what industry you work in, right? There's going to be adversity and there's going to be dark times and there's going to be tough people to deal with. But when you're around people like yourself uh, all the time and you get to walk into a big 12 championship or um, just something as simple as a K-State regular season game, it makes it that much more beautiful and that much more fun. And so I appreciate you for you. Um, keeping me positive and for um, keeping me humble as well. It's always a blessing and a pleasure. I have given you crap from day one, I think. Well, yeah, that's that's our love language. Uh -huh. That's how we communicate uh -huh. is uh, making sure that we know that we care about each other by giving each other crap. And, and I want to be clear with everyone that really the foundation of our relationship is friendship, humor, and the fact that you took me while I was drunk to Whataburger. And that, that was bonding. Uh, Look, you personally don't I, drink, so it was a good – It was. I'm not going to say the other Kansas City media person named Mick that was involved in this, but we weren't capable of driving, and you took us in Dallas to Whataburger, and that's, a, that's important. Look – I'm not a drinker, but I do love Whataburger. So when somebody requests Whataburger, there is no argument here from me. And I always find solace in being the designated driver. That's one of my favorite pastimes so that, you know, I can tell your story to you someday and still enjoy my Whataburger. <laughs> I hope I didn't do anything bad that night, like streak the Whataburger parking lot. I was excited. I had had you and Mick. I had two of my favorite people in the world in the car with me. I was like a little kid. Yay! Again, tr that trust that you have in us—beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. One final thing: playing football as a woman. What kind of mixed reaction have you gotten through your life when you tell people you played professional football? Ooh, um, it is literally across the board. I. Uh, I love the reaction I get from a lot of people um, from the standpoint of, oh, really? Is it is it that lingerie league? Mm. And that's when I'm like, no, no. I'm going to bring you back down to earth. It's 11 on 11, NFL rules, except the ball's a little bit smaller. We kick off from five yards shorter, helmets, pads, everything. Um, and a lot of that comes from, I'm not very big. I'm pretty short in stature. I'm five, five on a good day. And so I played slot receiver and running back. And so it, um, I, I understand, I understand where those questions come from, but I get those kind of mixed reviews. And then I also get, Oh, really women play football, you know, like, is that real? Really? And you have to explain it to them. And then I encourage them to go watch There's a bunch of different teams in the Midwest that are really great. Up here is the Kansas City Glory um, down in Dallas. It's no longer the Dallas Diamonds or the Dallas Spartan Elite, and they've won a bunch of championships um, since changing ownership and being part of the WNFC. But um, amazing, incredibly talented athletes. And then you have the polar opposite end of the spectrum where I wore my Super Bowl ring into – 
talked to Chris Jones on the first or second week of my time with the Chiefs radio network. And I shook his hand after talking to him and he grabbed my hand and he flipped it over and he said, what is that ring from? And I said, well, it's from my Super Bowl, the women's Super Bowl. And I kind of explained what that was. And I said, one of these days, hopefully you'll get one too. <laughs> and he smiled at me and he said, you know what? We will. And sure enough, here we are a few years later, and they have their own giant Super Bowl ring to post for it as well that they've earned. So it's there's a lot of respect. I get a lot more respect, I think, in the locker room because especially when it came to football that I know probably as much as a lot of those guys um, do. And I have the experience of taking a hit and, you know, delivering a hit and um, the the day in and day out grind that comes with being a, a professional athlete. So I think that's fun. And I like all of the different answers and reactions that I get. And that's part of the beauty of doing something that's not really been done before. And is kind of out of the box that you uh, you embrace the good with the bad and you just kind of love it all and love being able to tell your story. It, it, it's really cool. And, and I love that. Uh, I don't love it. That's not the right word. I uh, find it ironic that so many men are like women shouldn't be doing sports coverage when you have more experience with football than 99% of the men in our profession that talk about football. Just saying. It's so funny. So funny because um, I don't take anything away from the men who are covering it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, people have different opportunities and different doors that are open and closed to them for various different reasons. And I know everybody has their own story. Um, but I do like being able to bring that to the table because it does give me more credibility and it does get you that reaction of, oh, that's really cool. Okay. She knows what she's mm -hmm. talking about. Well, I am the son of a football coach and a former college player that quickly learned in life that I was way too soft to play football. So I admire <laughs> you because Danny is anything but soft. She is a force with which to be reckoned, and, and I love you, kid. I, I think uh, this is so cool. I'm so happy. I was really worried we we're going to lose you out of Kansas City because I think beyond being on TV, you're such an asset to the community, and this only further enhances it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate those kind words, and that's my hope, and I believe that that's my legacy is that I can make an impact for the greater good. So you saying that is incredibly humbling and absolutely means the world to me. So thank you. And I'll hit you up for tickets later. Deal. Okay. Kid, thank you very much. Love you. <laughs> Say hi to the husband. Hug the kid. Congratulations. I'm very, very proud of you, and and uh, it's kind of cool that I met you when you were very young in your journalism journey, and you have taken the next step, and I'm really proud of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it greatly. And like I said before, thank you for being a light um, and continue to shine that way because you have impacted not only me, uh, but you will impact a ton of people and media members in the future as well. So never, never stop being you. <laughs> God, my wife would love it if I would. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. All righty. Okay, sounds bye -bye. good. Have a good one, my friend. Bye. Danny made that so easy. I felt like I was just along for the ride, asking very basic questions. What an impressive person she is. I mean, she's got a Super Bowl ring. 
Yeah, she played football in the women's professional ranks and then ended up in media. And I can't say enough good things about this human being. I feel like everyone who meets Danny Welniak has been blessed. She's just such an all-around wonderful person. I was, I'm, I'm proud to call her a friend. Let's put it that way. And I'm so glad that she has found a way to stay in Kansas City, stay in all of our lives that know her, and transition over to the corporate world, but still stay in sports. Very cool indeed. And guys, remember, if you're 45 or older, please go to your doctor, get your PSA scored. It's the most reliable way for early detection of prostate cancer and other prostate health issues. It's a simple blood test. doesn't cost much, and it certainly doesn't hurt, but it could save your life. It sure as hell did with me. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll talk to you real soon.